Hi, everyone. Welcome to Stories from the Field presented by Search King. On this podcast, we will focus on sharing stories by home service leaders and provide you with their secret to success. Welcome back, everyone. We are excited for today's episode of Stories from the Field, where we listen to home service business owners talk about their journey to growing and ensuring great quality for their customers. Today, we are joined by Ashley Morrison, the president of Citywide Exterminating. We're also joined by Kim Glean, our director at Search Kings. Ashley, please get us started. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about the business that you have been running for the last 12 years. My name is Ashley Morrison with Citywide Exterminating, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I am a second generation owner of my family's business. I run uh, this company together with my husband, Dylan, and my brother, Chris. Never a dull moment in this business. Uh, it gets really interesting running a family business together, but um, it's it's fun. Running the family business together certainly is something a lot of people share uh, that experience. Give us a little background into the transition when your father, Robert, was running the company and it was founded in 2000. And you at some point realize this is something you want to get into. Talk to us a little bit about how Robert was running it, what what Citywide looked like then, and your journey into it. So it's an interesting one. Um, Growing up, I was around the business, but I really didn't want anything to do with it. Being a small child, you know, at family dinners and other functions, my parents were always talking about work. They were always talking about the business. And I really actually did not want to work with my family at that point. So I actually left after I graduated from college. I went into nonprofit development for a couple years and they naturally were growing just my family. Actually, my husband and my brother started helping my dad um, in the field when they were in school. So they have been doing this for quite a while as well. But when my dad was running it, he really never had any kind of uh, vision of growing it into something more. He wanted to work for himself. He wanted to, you know, make sure that he was self-reliant and he could support his family, do things for his family. So that was never really a a big thing. But as they grew naturally, they really needed, they needed help. And at the time it was run out of their home. So it was kind of, okay, who do we, who do we bring in to help? What do we do? So a couple of years, um, I had been working in nonprofit development. My mom came to me and said, "Hey, would you want to come back and work?" And it was it was a tough it was a tough conversation, a tough decision. But we uh, we set boundaries and we set up guidelines and roles and expectations, and we treated it very professionally. With family being involved, it can get a little dicey sometimes. But we we went through and we laid out all of this stuff and these expectations ahead of time, and it really worked out well for us. So I came back and I helped. Essentially, I was a CSR at the time. So I answered the phones. I I scheduled things. I I did all the renewals. It was me and my mom side by side, just figuring it out. And at the time, it was really interesting because we we weren't on any kind of you know real CRM for our industry. So we we took them and you know I took some of the stuff that I had learned working in nonprofit development and took them from note cards and Excel files to actually a CRM where we could manage our customers and we could do all of this stuff that, you know, you need to do to build a business. And so from your dad's time of starting the business through to when you joined, he was out in the field working the whole time, correct? Correct. He was in the field up until uh, the day that he retired, actually. So he had a small 
customer group that he would still go out and personally see, personally service for pest control. And that's what he enjoyed doing. He didn't want all of the other intricacies that come with running the business. So he kind of just took a hands-off approach and he allowed myself, my brother and my husband to really take over and to figure things out. I'm really curious, how open was he to some of those kind of growth changes and advancements to the company and the way it was run? Was it difficult for him to kind of pass the torch and also watch from the sidelines or was he very involved? It took a little while. It took a little convincing. Uh, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, you come in and you're still, you're still fairly young and you've got all these fresh ideas and it, it can be a little intimidating and a little scary to let go of, you know, your personal, your little baby that you've, you've been running and you've built. Yeah, totally. And, but honestly, he was fantastic. As the years went by, he was fantastic of just tell me what you're doing. And that's it. He had, he was fully supportive. Now that, you know, it is a family dynamic, what do you all do to keep the family life and business life separate? Like when you're home and you're just at a backyard barbecue or something like that, how do you, do you have a separation? And if you do, how do you manage that? We do and we don't. So it depends on, it really kind of depends on what's been going on. So the three of us, myself, my brother, and my husband, we try to meet at least monthly so we can actually sit down, dive into everything outside of being at home. So we carve out that time so we can talk about things, we can finish them, and we can leave them at work when possible. Now, being that my husband and myself both work together in the same business, we have three young kids, we also try to be very cognizant of they don't want to hear about it all the time. We try to involve them in the good things versus them always hearing the negative things that we need to figure out, that we need to sort out. So while we try to leave it at the door, it's not always 100% possible. What we do try to carve out that time so we can finish work before we go home. You're aligned at your leadership team as best you can, husband, brother, and you have 19 employees. So for a lot of our listeners, um, they may be, in the early stages of what you've built. And you have 19 employees that you also have to keep on the same page and make sure that they're feeling a part of it and growing with the company. What's the approach that the three of you take for training and for, I guess, career development of your team? So the way that we have got our, our teams or our divisions divided up within our team is my brother, Chris, he oversees all of our wildlife teams. So that is his forte. That is his specialty. He handles that training and those growth and development opportunities, which is great because he knows it inside and out. My husband, Dylan, takes over and takes care of all of our pest and termite side of things. And he's fantastic. He's phenomenal at what he does. And he knows that technical side of things. So he makes sure that we have our weekly trainings, our weekly meetings on that side of things. Everybody's maintaining their CEUs and, and we're looking at other professional development opportunities outside of what we can offer. We, we are sending people through our state association programs to better and further their knowledge on some of the things. And the same thing on the wildlife side, we have all kinds of training opportunities that, that we're watching within those associations. Are you hiring? And if so, what tips do you have for our listeners around trying to recruit people who have the passion that you need 
when you put someone in your truck? We are absolutely always hiring. That is always my answer. We are always looking for great people to join our team. So our philosophy is we just want good people. Even if we don't have a seat open for you at the moment, we are always, always looking for great people to join our team. Years ago, we actually went through and we really cleaned house. We were not headed in the direction that we needed to be. We did not have our core values figured out. We, we didn't know where we wanted to go and how we were going to get there. So we actually made some changes. We started making some changes and that naturally kind of weeded people out that didn't, that didn't fit those core values or fit those, fit those changes at the time. And really it was for the better. It was a really painful year, but we learned a lot from that year. And we've also learned that we never want to be back in that spot. So we are always hiring. We're always looking. We've got internal referral bonuses, which have been really fantastic for us. We actually have two um, now, out of the 19 uh, people that we have outside of myself, Chris, and Dylan, we have two other spouse and significant others, couples that work with us in different departments, different teams. But it for me, when I found out that their significant others wanted to join us, for me, there's no bigger compliment. And when we have team members who are so happy and, they're, and they, they love what they do and they love where they work. I just, I, I can't think of anything more than having some of their family members want to join us. So we're always looking at internal referrals. You know, who do you know? Who do you, who do you um, think would be a good fit to join our team? And, you know, are you willing to refer them and willing to bring them over to us so we can have a conversation? So we're always looking at that. And then another big thing for us was really defining who we are. And once you define who you are and what you value as a team and organization, you start to look for people who value the same things. So we've, we've done a lot in the, over the years to try to position ourselves as a company that is involved in our community, that we give back to our community, that we really take care of our team members, and we've got the work-life balance that people are looking for. So there's so many things that go into attracting people that want to come work with you. I think that's really interesting. It's, it's like, you know, you, you took over the business and the focus is, okay, how do we get this business going and running really well? And then at one point, it sounds like you had to take a step back and go, okay, what does this business mean to us? How do we make sure that it's still our family business? What are our values? What are the, what does the company actually want in our employees? And I love that, that type of growth and transition that you've all made. So when you're hiring, is it, you know, you said you really want good people. Are you more prone to hire someone, a good person that's willing to learn? Or does that experience or past experience really have to be there as well? The number one thing that we look for is someone who's willing to learn. For us, we can teach you the technical background. We have good people here who can do that. But I can't teach you how to be a good person. So we look for people who value the same thing. And we have this cute little acronym for our core values. I'm just going to go over it because I like to talk about it all the time. So it's actually teach. And we look for people who value teamwork. They're ethical. They are accountable. They communicate and they're humble. And so those are everything that we do. We are looking for people and we make no bones about it. And from the first time you walk through the door for an interview or a phone interview, if you don't value the same things, you're probably not going to last long here. Every single company takes at some point a who are we and are we hiring people that reflect our DNA? What advice do you have for a company saying, I really want to start 
cleaning our DNA back to what we want it to be or grow the way we want it to grow? Did you have a mentor? Did you read something? What it, What do you do if you don't have someone guiding you? You find them. So when I, when we first really got involved at the national level within our industry association, I had a fantastic mentor through the executive leadership program. I applied for that program. I was a part of their first class and I got paired up with a fantastic mentor that to this day, I still do so many of the things that we talked about that he taught me. It's really been a huge blessing. If you don't have access to you know, a mentor right off the bat, there's programs out there. There's a mentor match done through MPMA. Just talk to people. This industry is so willing to share. I have met some of the best people in our industry from our executive leadership program class through mentor match. You can find people. There's people who have been in your shoes. They can tell you what to do, what not to do. It's better to learn from other people's mistakes than make them yourself. And You just talk, you find somebody, find a sounding board, create an outside group of people that are willing to listen to your problems, maybe troubleshoot some things and ask for that feedback. As you created the culture that you wanted to make sure would take you through the next 10 or 20 or so years, how did your brand evolve? So when we first started, there was really no logo created. It was basically a C and a W. It could be any font and you never know what font you were going to see from each day. So, you know, we were a small company, a small business trying to figure it out and it worked at the time. It was, it was fine. It was different digital era. Also, I remember we had a website that was, it was one of those static websites and it looked just like a business card and that's it. And it worked. It worked at the time. So we just created, you know, this C and this W as we grew and as we progressed and technology and everything modernized, we took it to a company and we said, look, we really need, we really need an image. We need a a clean, consolidated, single image that we can just stick on everything. And so we had this company help us come up with something. We had this vision. We used actual um, skyscraper outline of Charlotte in our logo because that is our main market. So we just wanted to tie it back to the market that we served at the time. Since then, we've had a couple of, you know, cleanups of the logo, but nothing has majorly changed. So now it's just super easy. We can, we put a logo on every single thing that we can imagine. And you just start trying to build an association with that logo, that that image that people are seeing. And then the vehicles and the uniforms and making sure that everyone's aligned and looking the same. And I know that that's high on your priority list. When did that come into play and how important do you think that is for a company that's sort of saying, not sure I can afford that yet, or is this my priority right now? It is very important for us. So at the time, I'll I'll keep talking about 20 years ago, we had, we just had t-shirts and it had citywide exterminating written on it. And it was the same, just, it was no logo. It just said citywide, but everybody looked uniform and that worked then. As we grew and we wanted to portray this image of a professional service company, we knew that we needed to step it up. So we got a uniform company years and years ago, and you know they're responsible for everything, everything now. So there's no excuses for someone to come in with ripped and torn and stained uniforms. So we made that investment. And honestly, for us, when you care about your personal experience, it returns. 
I look at the people, you know, that I would want coming into my house and I try to put myself in the consumer shoes and I look at, you know, are they clean? Are they put together? Are they professional acting? As far as our, our vehicles go, we actually just spent the last two years having everything rewrapped because we wanted a clean look. We wanted everything uniform. And while it's been an undertaking and quite an investment, it's been worth it. We've heard people comment on our wrap and how good it looks. So all of those things people are noticing and they, they make note of it. And it's just one more thing to give you a professional image to put out there to the public. Now moving on to like the client experience, what other things are you doing to make sure that, you know, you've got the clean uniforms, you have everything, all the, you know, your employees are behaving professionally and all that. Are there any other things that you do to make sure that your clients are satisfied? We are always, always soliciting feedback, whether we want to hear it or not. We do want to hear it, but sometimes it can be a little painful. You know, your, um, your smallest customer base will tell you some of the biggest things that you need to hear. And so we're always soliciting feedback. We're always trying to keep our customers engaged with us as a team. You know, we'll send out some newsletters by email and just letting people know what we're doing. We're huge proponents of community involvement where we live and work and we always want to give back. So we're always trying to let everyone know what we're doing. And we ask them, you know, to participate with us, help us support us in this goal that we have. And, you know, obviously reviews are a big thing. We're always looking for great reviews. We're always, we're even looking for the non-great reviews to let us know what we can improve on. So we're always trying to make those personal touches with our customers. We send out some thank you notes occasionally to our customers, just, just because, just because they've been with us for years. We try, we try to really embrace, we know that they can choose another company. We know there's a million companies out there, but we really try to make it personal for them and make sure they know that we do appreciate them supporting our family. And speaking of the lines of personal, I've heard uh, through the grapevine that you sometimes have your employees send handwritten notes. Is that true? So we do. We will send out thank you notes for choosing us. Essentially, when someone comes on as a customer, we turn around and we send them a thank you note. And I know their hands get very, um, very tired writing them, <laughs> all of us. We try to, we try to uh, divide and conquer sometimes, but we will also um, send out little things if we hear about any kind of good things that happen to our customers, any kind of bad things, we'll send out small notes as we find out, just letting them know that we're either thinking about them or congratulating them. And I love that. I love the, the, the personalization. The fact that it's handwritten says something. It really does. And it really means a lot to, to customers, I think. And from woman to woman, in terms of you running the business, has, has there been an influence there um, of adding a female kind of touch to being a, a woman owner, a female owner in the home services industry? Absolutely. So the way that I look at things is very different from the way that Chris or Dylan look at things. I see things in a, in a, maybe a different light than what they would have noticed. So there are some, I, I tend to believe that I've got an, an attention to detail and we, we will use that to try to connect with our customer base, who is primarily people like myself. And I do feel like that gives us, it gives us a little bit of insight into maybe what our customers really are expecting. Not all of them, but if we can dial in on some of that customer base by having a little bit more diverse influences in our practices, then I'm all for it. That personal touch is uh, so important nowadays with people wanting to know 
and uh, you know who's going to take good care of them rather than just you know kind of provide a service and walk out the door. As far as you had mentioned community engagement, and a lot of our customers and our clients are are dipping their toe in community engagement, or they're doing the same community engagement that they've done for years because that's the program that they're involved in. What's your uh, advice around community engagement? What kind of programs do you look to support and how do you go about deciding that? Ask your team. So when you get initiatives that your team is passionate about, you get a lot of participation. So last year, we actually, I guess it was 2019, we asked our team, we want to add a new, a new organization to support for 2020. We, we had done the same, you know, five or six, same handful each year, but we wanted a new one to bring into the picture. And so we actually, they brought their ideas to the table in one of our meetings and everybody voted on who they thought after the fact, we did a blind vote and they voted on, okay, what's our winner? And actually our, um, we have one veteran on our team and his organization that he is heavily involved in is a veteran support organization. So that was our, our new one that we brought into the picture for last year. And it was fantastic. We did a raffle and we sold tickets for like a Blackstone prize pack. We sold special edition hats and t-shirts and all of the proceeds got donated back to this organization. And we ended up raising in one month, we ended up raising close to $1,800 for this veterans support group. And the amount of participation that we got from within our own team, because we knew we were supporting one of us, we knew we were supporting one of something that he was passionate about. It was fantastic. So my first piece of advice is ask your team what matters to them, find what they're passionate about and support them in that endeavor. You know, when you make it personal to your team, they will participate. They will make sure that they, that we succeed in that. I mean, this is awesome because, you know, getting the employee's voice and buy-in is outstanding. Do you have a criteria? Do you give them parameters or do you just open it up, grab the whiteboard marker and see what they come up with? So we opened it up. We just said, hey, it, it does need to be a nonprofit organization that we want to help support. But we opened it up. We had all kinds of ideas. We had some religion-based. We had some veteran-based. It's all kinds. The only criteria that we had is it had to be a nonprofit organization. You tell us about it. You tell us why it's important to you. And then we actually include the winner in how, how do you want to support it for this year? What, what should we do? It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun coming up with that. And honestly, it just feels good. A quick fire question here. We have a colleague of yours. They're in a mid-sized market. They have the culture now that they think they're ready to start to grow. They need to get the word out and they need to acquire new customers. What are your top three things that you think if you were starting again and you had the infrastructure ready, how would you go about acquiring the new customers? Figure out who you are first. Go ahead and figure out you can't be everything for everyone. And that took me years to learn as running this company. Figure out what services you want to offer and, and don't deviate. You're going you're gonna to stress yourself out. You're going to kill yourself, work yourself to the bone if you are deviating and you're, you're tr- jumping through all these hoops trying to satisfy everybody. So first of all, find out who you are. Find out who your customers are and what you, who you want your customers to be. And then create a consistent brand for yourself, create a consistent look. I know starting out, 
things are tight. You don't, you know, you can't necessarily go, go through and just, you know, rewrap everything because you, you know, you want to clean it all up. So start, start small, create that logo, create that online image, make sure it's consistent and engage with your customers in a personal yet professional way. I love that you didn't go use this marketing strategy. It was look at yourself first. I love that. Like, look at the mirror first. What is what is your company about? What are you about? Make sure that your business is sound and then go out from there. And I really like that, that approach and that strategy. What has changed and what big changes do you see in the industry like over the next 10 years? Like, where do you see everything going? Some of the biggest changes that I, I hope to see is the continuation of recruiting professionals to join our industry. I think it's not a lot of people wake up and say, hey, I want to work in pest control. But I think you've got these, these initiatives out there like workforce development. You've got PPMA out there. You've got, you've got these outside arms pushing this professional image of our industry. And for me, I just see it continuing. I, I love the diversity push that NPMA is really on right now. I think you bring in more and more people who never really gave our industry a chance, you're going to get some really good outcomes. And on the technology side, do you see anything different coming down the pipe that really has you intrigued? I think it's a balance. So we actually don't utilize all of the technology that's out there. So um, I know there's new things coming down the pipeline. You hear about things that people want to see. So somebody's going to work on them eventually. But for us, it is really still about finding good people. You know, even with our review process, we don't use any of the automated review platforms out there. I know they're there. We have actually in the past. But for us, what really works is our team, they ask for those reviews. They hand out little cards and they ask, it has a QR code on it and takes the customer right to leaving that personal review. So there's great technology out there and it all has a time and a place, but we are kind of old school still in the fact that we really just like that personal ask from the technician. I think old school sells yourself a little short. You're personal. <laughs> yeah, that's we what are it personal. is. You're very, you're personal in it. And that comes across. Yeah. Let's go to your leadership and mentors that you've had and you've mentioned. You're a board member of NPMA and the North Carolina Pest Management Association advice for people who are in the industry, but really only, you know, network with the people maybe in their local chapter or, you know, in their community. How important do you think uh, NPMA and, and these organizations are? Oh my goodness. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> so for, I was the outsider. I was the outsider coming into the industry. So while I grew up around the business, my family, my parents were never actually involved in the associations. So when I first came back on board, we actually joined the associations, but much like anything, you get out of it what you put into it. And for us, it has been, it was a game changer. We, we were the ones who walked into the room and didn't know anybody. There are so many stories from the three of us joining these associations that I could tell that, you know, people just, thanks to them walking up to us, introducing themselves, welcoming us. We have made some fantastic friends along the way. We are so thankful for their guidance. We've learned so much from them. We have learned that this industry is always open and willing to share. They can, it can be a competitor two miles from you and they're just so willing to share. 
So for me, it's, it's been phenomenal walking into a room, knowing nobody and now being, being so heavily involved in these industry associations. It's just one way that we can return the favor that so many people have done for us. It's been great talking to you. Your passion for the integrity of your company to be the foundation. You're not as focused on, you know, how many customers or, you know, what new service you're offering. It's it's clear this is about the human side of this and taking care of your customers, but taking care of your staff too. And what I'll be thinking about is the fact that you have employees who've brought their significant others into the company. And you should celebrate that. Um, You should celebrate your community outreach and how engaged you are. So kudos to you, Ashley. It's been great talking to you. You know, we've learned so much. I think our listeners will learn so much about don't rush to acquire customers. You know, prioritize knowing who you are as a business is certainly what I got out of this. I think that a lot of the advice that you have given and a lot of the background that you've shared can be applied to not only the pest industry. That's what's amazing about this conversation that we had. I think that um, anyone listening right now who just owns any type of small business would benefit from listening to this and listening to the advice that you've shared and the journey that you've shared. Hope everyone enjoyed another episode of Stories from the Field. Thank you, Ashley Morrison. It's Citywide Exterminating for a great episode. Thanks for listening to Stars from the Field, brought to you by Search Kings. We are here to help your home service business grow and dominate in your community. Stay tuned for more episodes as we learn what it takes to scale and succeed your business.